0: The Hard Shoulder on News Talk. With Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Every Wednesday here on The Hard Shoulder on News Talk, we bring you The Last Post, where we hear about the life of someone notable who recently died but that you might not have heard of. Good evening, John Kelleher. Uh, tell us about Yuri Orlov.
1: Uh, he was a. Uh very eminent uh, Russian physicist, but he was equally well known because he was a fearless uh, champion of, of human rights uh, who spent quite a bit of time in jail for his beliefs, in fact, in exile in Siberia. OK, well,
0: uh, give us his background. Um, um, where, when was he born? Where was he born? What was his family
1: circumstances, etc.? He, he was born in 1924 uh, in a village quite near Moscow. And um, his dad was a truck driver who became an aviation engineer. His mother was a secretary. His dad actually died when, when Yuri was only nine. And then World War II interrupted his his college education. But he, so he served as an artillery officer in the in the Soviet army during the war. And then he graduated in 1952 from the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology.
0: Okay, and now uh, was he a member of the Communist Party? Was he a follower of of
1: um, the he, doctrine? He he was a member um, since university, but he had begun uh, to doubt the party and doubt communism. He actually described it uh, uh, as slavery without private property. And and do we know what caused those doubts? Um, well. I think he was sort of um meeting with 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 people and talking as you would do in a in a university and in an academic kind of situation and um he was actually appalled by what had gone on in in recent soviet history like he made a speech at the um, Moscow Institute uh, of Physics in 1956 he referred to the Stalin uh, purges the reign of terror if you like as a quote a shameful page in the history of our party. And then he also spoke out very publicly um, after the same year, 1956, the Hungarian uprising. He spoke out against um, Soviet repression of civil liberties. And he was condemned then for uh, hostile outbursts, as they called them, um, by Soviet leaders, and he was expelled from the party. We have to uh, understand the context here for... um
0: a leading academic or intellectual to speak out that publicly in a forum like that in front of that audience, it, things were not going to go well
1: for for you, uh, and they didn't go well for him either, did they? They they did not. They did not. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he was a, extremely courageous. Um, like for instance, in in '68, some years later, when um, 1968, when the Soviet tanks rolled into Prague, he he called that a savage suppression of Czechoslovakian um, workers, and he 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 was very busy as a kind of, if you like, dissident human rights activist. In 1973, he helped to set up the Soviet branch, the USSR branch of Amnesty International. And then rather um, courageously, he wrote a deliberately provocative letter to Brezhnev um, the party general secretary uh, denouncing the party's campaign against Sakharov, the nuclear, the eminent nuclear physicist, also human rights campaigner who subsequently, as you know, won the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. And he proposed one of the things that that uh, Yuri proposed was glasnost an open an openness, which was a term that somebody very um, uh, some years later cleverly hijacked. Worried. Exactly.
0: Um, uh, John, we know that even today, um, uh, Russian dissidents and opponents of of Putin and his government um, can risk their life by doing so, can be poisoned, can die. Uh, Going back 50 odd years, to be that outspoken then, uh, surely you ran the risk of just disappearing and never been heard of again. Why did the the Soviet authorities uh,
1: tolerate him or allow him that kind of leeway? I I think I'm not so sure they tolerated him. Uh, They did leave him some leeway, uh, I think, because he was so well known and indeed so was Sakharov all around the world um, that there would have been outrage if anything um, untoward uh, happened. But he did pay a price. He paid a heavy price. Um, You know, he was arrested in 1977 and after a three day show trial, He was convicted of anti-Soviet activity and given the maximum sentence, that was seven years in a labour camp followed by five years in exile in Siberia. Now, um,
0: he was also, uh, while all of this is going on, uh, um, you said that he was a a very active uh, and vocal um, um, proponent of human rights um, um, and questioning um, the authorities. He, He also set up, the Soviet branch of Amnesty International, which I also imagine wouldn't have gone down very well with the authorities. How did he even manage no, to get it, that it off the ground? No, he
1: definitely didn't, um, particularly with Brezhnev. He also set up, which is possibly his most enduring um, legacy and very brave at the time, he founded the Moscow, what was called the Moscow Helsinki Group. And that was set up to monitor Soviet compliance with, with human rights commitments that were outlined in the 1975 Helsinki Accords. The Helsinki Accords were signed by 35 countries, including Ireland, signed actually by Liam Cosgrave. Um, mm. And uh, what he did then, one of his colleagues described what Orlov did, was unprecedented in, his, in its courage. And uh, his colleagues said, we lit a fire under the regime. It was Yuri's bold vision that made our efforts so effective and so intolerable from the Soviet point of view. Did he do this before he was sent to Siberia or afterwards? Oh, very much before. I mean, this is why he was sent to Siberia. Like he was arrested, like within a matter of months. And that was and, and after mm-hmm. the trial, he commenced his his uh, his sentence. Uh, during the sentence, by the way, he he managed to smuggle out scientific uh, documents and human rights uh, documents, which were published then in the in the West, but he had a terrible time in in prison. you know he was sleeping on bare planks uh, he was very malnourished, he endured isolation he, he got he actually his health deteriorated, and he got t b now because he was so uh, high profile and, and well known had an international
0: profile he he obviously became a a célèbre uh, and he as as a
1: result of that, he was freed as part of a prisoner exchange. That's right. That's right. He is um, the international kind of scientific community were outraged at the treatment that was being handed out to people like uh, Orlov. And in 1986, that was about halfway through his the second part of his sentence, the exile in Siberia. He was stripped of his Soviet citizenship and he was deported to America as part of a prison exchange. And that was just on the eve of the Reykjavik summit. Uh, which was attended by Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev. OK, so that was obviously one of the side meetings as well. Um, had had he had
0: his um, Soviet uh, citizenship revoked at that stage or did they take it off him when he went
1: to live in America? They they took it off him and sent him to America, if you like. OK. Now, and what he about... He became an American citizen uh, yeah. down the line, uh, but he initially he taught um, physics and government at Cornell University, and he continued from a distance his human rights um, advocacy. Um, t- talk to me a bit about his um, his personal life. Did he have much time for one? Um, well, he had time to get married three times. When he, I don't know how he did it, but when he was in uh, the Soviet Union, the three marriages ended in divorce. And then in 1988, a couple of years after he'd arrived in the US, he married Sydney, his English language teacher. And she... Uh, taught him or attempted to teach him English. He said that the first lesson they had turned into, he said, six hours of fierce debate on Chekhov. I had 20 words of English and she had 200 words of Russian. Day by day, my English got better and her Russian got worse. So we <laughs> bought a house in the country and married. And and lived happily ever after. Fourth time lucky then. Uh, well, yes, he was. Um, he had a very kind of fruitful later life. Um, there, his Russian citizenship was restored in 1990. This was the Gorbachev era, obviously. He published a memoir then called Dangerous Thoughts. And then in 2005, he, he was named as the first recipient of the Sakharov Prize, very prestigious prize now from the American Society of Physics. And he retired about five years ago, but he continued his theoretical work, specializing in cosmology, The you know examining the origins mm-hmm. and the development of the of the universe, but he he continued to follow what was happening in Russia avidly and uh, to campaign on behalf of uh, imprisoned dissidents. And tell me, John, how did he die? Peacefully, or or had
0: he been battling illness towards the end? Uh, well, he was like 96 and pretty frail. But, well, that's a good innings by anybody's uh, by, by anybody's uh, standards. He, wasn't,
1: he was no admirer of um, Mr. Putin, President Putin, by the way. He, he told a reporter uh, some time ago, uh, Russia, he said, is flying backwards in time. Putin is like Stalin. He speaks in the language of the tug, the mafia.
0: Yuri Orlov who died recently at the age of 96 and that was the subject of our last post today thank you so much um, John Kelleher that's it from today's hard shoulder off the ball is up next i'll talk to you tomorrow good night stay safe